You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Adjust your ocular implant and free up some short-term storage in your brain pan. It's Monday night at 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern, and it must be Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. Tonight, Mariner and Boimler go full-on promotional mode, and Rutherford learns something about himself. It all happens in Reflections, the latest episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. As always, operators are standing by. You know what that means. It means Earl in the Earl Green Room. And you get to talk to him before talking to us by clicking on the Zoom meeting link or by using the one tap from your smartphone and calling us 669-900-6833. If you do that, you enter the meeting code that you see on screen and in the chat. And speaking of chat, let us say hello very quickly to all the fine folks who have jumped into the chat tonight i'm looking at you on facebook first out of the gate at scott palm how you doing scott i hope you are well my friend uh first paul by the way first paul is paul right and uh, we found out that that's like being first minister to bejor if you ask john daw so welcome doctor good to see you there's carrie uh let's see here there's uh oh wait a minute do we have two carries no we have one carrie Ooh. we also have i know i it, Dueling carries and three balls so difficult <laughs> we got parlo uh, carlos apparently we have another paul who is in the youtube chat so shout out to you uh let's see here there's david uh there is jane uh there's Matthew, there's Mike, so many people saying hello. It's good to see you. Now, tonight, Ashley, I, I just kind of sprang something on us because it's the nature of a live show, right? We can just mm-hmm. do whatever we want. We can create little surprises if we feel like it. And we have a special guest tonight joining us that uh, joined us kind of last minute. We didn't announce it. And look, normally we would save this until right after the recap, but I just want to let everybody know now is your chance to call in because we have him for a limited time. Mike Mullen, director of tonight's episode. Mike, welcome. Hi. Nice to hey. be here. I'm uh, I'm coming to you from the um, from the bathroom of the Delta Flyer. It's way in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Does a Delta Flyer have a bathroom? Are we sure? sure. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's the Excellent. it's the it's the pop out bathroom next to the impulse thruster. Yeah, yeah, but, but see, you're not wearing the special outfit. I, I was so happy at Rutherford's <laughs> excitement of getting that uniform. So mm-hmm. you know. But Mike can now confirm the existence or non existence of the restroom in his next script. So yes. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. Mike, thank you so much for joining us tonight. So that is your cue, everybody. If you want to chat with Mike while we've got him, now is your chance. Um, we are going to jump through things pretty quickly because the recap ain't short. I've got to warn you about that. But I want to let everybody here know about something that is pretty special. If you have not been following one of our sister shows on Roddenberry Podcast, that would be Fanatics. So if you pick up that show right now, you can go to podcast.roddenberry.com. They are doing a marathon of special guests from Lower Decks. So they have already had Mike McMahon. They have had Jerry O'Connell. I believe Jillian Vigman's on right now, this week's episode. Keep checking in there because you'll get to hear a whole other side of those actors as they talk about what their fanatics about, 
and it's not just Star Trek. Mike McMahon talks about Coke Zero. I don't know how. You, <laughs> uh, well, no, I do know. I would say, how do you get 45 minutes out of talking about Coke Zero? It's Mike McMahon. I'm sure that they got 90 minutes and had to trim it down. <laughs> so, um, Go check out that show along with all of our other shows at podcast.roddenberry.com, including Mission Log, where this week, uh, this Thursday, we will be releasing our Voyager episode Maneuvers, the one where Seska puts the moves and the maneuvers on the people that she's manipulating, which, by the way, is everybody. Uh, Mission Log, the Orville just came back last week with uh, Seth MacFarlane's novella, Sympathy for the Devil. Mission Log Engage coming back. I got episodes that are going to drop next week. Mission Log Prodigy. Yes, Ashley, you and Nora will be back so soon. I'm so ready. We're we're (laughs) T minus one month right now. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, Yeah, very excited about that. Uh, So all of those shows and everything else you can find at podcast.roddenberry.com or on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash roddenberryprod or Roddenberry Entertainment. So we do have some callers standing by, and of course, we have our very special guest, Mike Mullen, Director of Reflections, who will be able to drop some insights on us. But first, let me, uh, let me do a little recap, okay? So here we go. Star Trek Lower Decks Season 5, uh, sorry, Season 5, no, Season 3, Episode 5, Reflections, wishful thinking on my part. Late night on the Cerritos and Rutherford is having a very bad dream, the one where he's working on some complex machinery that goes critical and explodes in his face. He wakes in a sweat, startling the people around him. The next day, Boimler and Mariner are assigned to work in a Starfleet recruitment booth on Tulgana 4, literally the worst assignment, but made even more so by Ransom's order that they not take a step away from the booth or else they'll be reassigned to Starbase 80. Rutherford confides in Tendi that he hasn't slept in a week because of the nightmares, and she offers to clear up his cash as it seems his cybernetics have been holding on to some useless memories. He heads off to take a nap, but his ocular implant glitches and Rutherford wakes up with an attitude. Not just an attitude, but no small amount of confusion about why he's on the Cerritos. What's more, the lens on his implant has turned red. Red Rutherford looks out a window and in the reflection is the Rutherford we all know. He tells Red Rutherford to give back his body, but Red refuses saying it's his body now. Could it be that an alien took him over? Rutherford, at least the reflection of him, calls for help, but there's no one that could hear him. Red Rutherford nearly gives himself away in an encounter with Ensign Barnes when he can't remember any of the details about the dates they've had. Things are worse when he encounters Tendi and physically lashes out at her when she tries to scan his cybernetic implant. He runs off, leaving Tendi to call for sickbay and a security detail to track him down. Chax catches up with Red Rutherford in the transporter room just before he beams himself to the captain's yacht for an escape attempt. The reflection Rutherford buys a little time, though, by punching himself in his implant, distracting and annoying Red Rutherford just long enough for Shax to catch up. With apologies, Shax fires his phaser with a stun beam, shocking Red Rutherford and his reflection counterpart into unconsciousness. Down on Tulgana 4, Mariner and Boimler try to make the best of their predicament, answering questions from aliens who may or may not consider joining Starfleet or who just look at the opportunity to ridicule the two ensigns. 
The assignments don't always sound good, and it doesn't help that Petra, the independent archaeologist in the booth next door, constantly harasses and undermines whatever Mariner says. Starfleet is for conformists as opposed to her life of freedom. See, Petra was Starfleet until she realized that she could have it so much better and safer on her own, not saluting higher officers and not fleeing for her life from the Borg. Back to Rutherford, such as he is, lies unconscious in sickbay, and Dr. Tana proclaims that he hasn't been inhabited by an alien. Rather, his memories have reverted to a version of himself from 10 years ago. All they can do is wait to see what version of himself emerges. Inside his mind, both Rutherfords face each other. The younger one from 10 years ago, sans implants and full of angst and attitude, and the Rutherford we know with his implants and his positive team spirit. Young Rutherford summons a memory of his garage where he worked on engines and spacecraft like his racer, Sampukita. Back then, Rutherford would build engines and race in the neutral zone outside the auspices of Starfleet. Something happened, though, and with the implant, along came a memory wipe. It wasn't perfect, though, and the old memories have been trying to emerge. The only way to settle this, both versions of Rutherford agree, is an engineering challenge. They'll construct their own ships, race them, and the winner gets to take over the body. The losing personality will be erased. Mariner and Boimler are still at it, putting up with the insults and jokes hurled their way, especially now that word is out that they can't leave the booth. The Collector's Guild, the Conspiracy Truthers, the Outpost Scientists, everyone gets in their little digs until Boimler can't take it anymore when one of the scientists tosses his rank pip into the path between the booths. Boimler loses it, ranting with righteous indignation about all the good Starfleet has done that not only protects but improves the lives of all these alien ingrates. And you know what? It kind of works. His display attracts some new recruits enthralled by his brash confidence. Ransom returns to check in on his ensigns and sees the chaos, but also sees the Starfleet booth busy with new signups. Back in Rutherford's comatose mind, the race is on. It's a randomized path through the neutral zone with all kinds of hazards, the most ominous of which is a decloaked Romulan warbird using both racing ships for target practice. Young Rutherford's ship is badly damaged, but Rutherford's Delta Flyer mock-up has a secret weapon. His crew, Tendi, Mariner, and Boimler, take commands and save the day, along with beaming young Rutherford to safety. With that, the simulation is over, but young Rutherford is critically hurt. The imagined race course and ships fade away, and Rutherford holds his younger self, wondering if they can just manage their memories. But it won't work. Young Rutherford is dying, and with him the personality that made him who he was. He has one last memory to share, though, the moment Rutherford got the implant. It was the engineering test that's been showing up in his nightmare, an incident that failed and wounded him badly. Someone from Starfleet, commanding a couple of medics, instructs them to erase anything that had to do with the program and make it look like the cybernetics were an elective surgery. Rutherford emerges back into consciousness, and he seems okay, much to Tendi's relief. The mystery now is to narrow down who were the higher-ups at Starfleet at the time of his accident. He's got time with his friends to look over the records. They're all sitting around outside the brig where Boimler is spending the night. Yeah, he broke protocol, but Ransom was still impressed with the ensigns sticking up for Starfleet. 
And this is a way more humane punishment than sending anyone to Starbase 80. In her bunk, Mariner fills out the mission log, trademark, all rights reserved, patent pending, but is interrupted by that rude archaeologist Petra. She liberated the Grand Nagus' staff from the museum on Togana 4 and was, yes, just using them as a distraction. But she genuinely likes Mariner and thinks that she could give her a hand if she ever decides to ditch the rigors of Starfleet life. Thanks, but no thanks. But Mariner does save Petra's contact info just in case. The end. Apologies, apologies all around. That was super long, but it's so dense. There's a lot happening. Um, Before we get to our first caller who is standing by, Ashley, I want to know if you had any immediate thoughts or questions for our very special guest, Director Mike Mullen. Mike, my first and only question, because I won't won't keep the listeners away from too, too long, but when you got assigned to take on telling Rutherford's story in this way and to be the puppet master, making sure that everything has to execute at the standards that we expect from Lower Decks, is there a lot of pressure? Because he's one of my favorite characters. He's super, super beloved. How do you handle really opening the door to his story in this way? Well, I mean, like John said, I mean, it, it's it's a densely packed script and and it, sifting through everything that's going on um, was an amazing thing to to see, and uh, n- not knowing anything else about you know what we may see later on. I mean, th- this is you know we're, we really have a mystery here, and we're revealing mm-hmm. a bit of it. Um, I honestly don't know where it where it goes. Um, so, but it's it was neat to be able to. Um, put together so many different visual kind of, um, you know, ways of identifying him. Like he's in a white void, he's a reflection, he's, Mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's both different Rutherfords. Um, and keeping all that straight was, was, was amazing. But, but to know that, you know, I get, I get to, the script was amazing, you know, of course. Um, and to, to be able to, um, you know, work with this, with this character. I I hadn't worked with him that much. I had only done one other episode before this and he was not a huge part of that episode, but to, you know, people to do this was, was a, uh, it's a lot of fun. I do know that we have a caller standing by, but I also know that Mike's time is limited. So I very quickly, uh, Chris, hold on just a second. I want to get to this question from Cherie because I think it's something that has come up quite a bit. And uh, Cherie is asking for a little uh, uh, disambiguity uh, here. Uh, so she <laughs> In says, Star Trek, never. I know. Never. <laughs> uh, and and maybe, maybe you guys work this out on a chart or something and you can drop a knowledge bomb on us. I have a question for Mike. Can can he explain the timeline for when Rutherford got his implant and lost his memories? Because the first episode says he's a new cyborg, quote, as of a couple of weeks ago. But Tana says his memories are from 10 years ago. Hope this doesn't sound too demanding. No tone in my text. I'm sure there's a good explanation I'm just missing. It's just driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, I... I um... I know that we were very careful because there's, you see some shadowy figures in his, you know, in his memory during the, you know, the surgical uh, procedure. One of those, those figures has a Starfleet uniform and we were very careful to pick out, you know, and we did this with every episode, you know, if, if you saw anything, you know, from a, from a, from a particular era, 
you know, we were very careful to pick out, okay, this is, this takes place in this specific time period, like, like the, you know, next generation season one time period or whatever, or whatever that is. I actually don't know the, um, the specific, uh, timeline, but I know that we, but that will be revealed as far as I know. Oh, I don't actually. Cool. I don't actually know, but I know that we are going to, you know, see more of this mystery. Nobody believes that you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. I believe you when you say it. Uh, All I know is that we'll see more of this of this mystery play out. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, let's go to our first caller, and that is Chris, who has been waiting patiently in the shipyard there with uh, with the Cerritos. Chris, what's up, man? Hey guys, good evening. Good evening all. Good evening, Mike. Nice to see you again, as always. Uh, yeah, I was actually, since we have Mike here, I thought I'd ask, what is, I think of, especially this episode, and you just mentioned sort of all the reflections and all the sort of like cool visual things. I'm curious how much of that is like on the page when you get the script and how much of that is you and the storyboard folks sort of whipping stuff up. I'm also thinking of when Rutherford wakes up at the end, there's the nice kind of visual callback to his coma with like the shadows and the people being blacked out mm-hmm. and it gets reversed and it's Tendi and, and Tana or Tendi and Chaxty. And I'm curious, like, is that on the page? Is that you guys in the room? Like a mix of both? It's, it really is all in the, in the script. I mean, because, you know, this, this, because we are dealing with something that, um, you know, is, is planting very specific, you know, breadcrumbs for what, for what's going to happen later. So, you know, I, I don't, um, uh, I, or I, I didn't know, um, or I, I guess I should say, I only knew as much as, as every other viewer, you know, what the, uh, um, what had led up to this point. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, anything else, Chris? Uh, no, yeah. Uh, this was just all around very good episode. I like sort of the, the central theme of people growing, Rutherford's growing, Mariners maybe thinking about taking a step toward growing, Boimler's growing in his own kind of chaotic way. Uh, so that was a nice little through line that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Thank you. All right, Chris, uh, we will say goodnight, uh, unless you have any last note here. Yeah. Uh, I will just say I cannot condone Mariner's utter disrespect towards Boimler's Eagle Moth model. That is unacceptable. <laughs> um, I know, it's even more collectible. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Not cool. Not cool. All right, Chris. Thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. See you around, man. Bye. See ya. Uh, Mike, I have a question for you because um, obviously Lower Decks is jam-packed with, you know, references and, you know, Easter eggs, uh, some subtle, some not so subtle, some very much in your face. Um, something that is purely a visual gag like the Kirk and Spock with the Horde of photo op. I assume that something like that is just in the script. Like, and by the way, here's something that is also at that booth. Yes, um, I tried for such a long time. Yeah, it was in the script. Um, that's that's my favorite, you know, Easter egg because we <laughs> don't do anything with it. It's just there. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, for for a while while we were you know storyboarding this episode, I, I wanted to put in a gag where um, Mariner is getting so worked up that she walks over and and uh, basically kicks a hole in Kirk. Um, but <laughs> oh, I didn't get through. That been she, good. Can't, she can't leave the booth. So, oh yeah, of course, of course. Well, <laughs> and, and in an episode like this, uh, compared to the last one they did, I, I'm curious what things in that read through in your prep for directing this 
what did then did you go back and rewatch anything to think like, ooh, here are influences, here are inspirations that I need to be aware of to work on this episode? Or did you just kind of, you know, go by the script and your own working knowledge and you're good to go? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there are... There are a lot of a lot of references that were in the script, like the the gamers from you know Move Along Home. They, mm-hmm. they were in there. Um, anything that is anything that basically has dialogue attached to it was is in the in the script. Um, mm-hmm. So in a sense, it's not really Easter eggs. It's more story yeah. points. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean there there are things inside the the archaeology booth that like there's I put in um uh the uh there's the 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 totem from from for the world is hollow. Yes. Um that's in there. <laughs> yes. Um it's it's kind of it's been damaged but it's it's there. Um there's like the, the there's other I think just about everything in there is is something that we've seen before. Yeah. Um yeah, and it's and I think in the like in the in the the Starfleet booth, um, I had initially imagined a lot more stuff just in the background. Like you like you go to a um, an outside like recruitment booth like this, you'd see something like a uh, like a twenty fourth century version of a little thing where you spin the wheel and you win a keychain or something like that. <laughs> right. um, like I wanted to have a lot of stuff like that that would make <laughs> nice. it look really kind of kind of lame. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm glad that those things didn't actually happen because the, every frame of this episode is so packed. It would have just probably just been too much. (laughs) I, I I kind of thought thematically and, and maybe we'll uh, get into it in a moment, but I I kind of thought thematically there was one thing in the morals, meanings, messages that made me sit up and go, is this episode the anti the enemy within? Uh, in, in that episode, famously, uh, you know, our passive Kirk and our aggressive Kirk have to hug it out and become <laughs> one. In this one, uh, Rutherford, the, the Rutherford we know and love has to let go entirely <laughs> of the life experience and memories of that other Rutherford or else they cannot survive. And, uh, and I, I wondered if uh, the enemy within ever crossed your mind at any point in this. I mean, yeah, it's such a, this episode, I think more than, um, more than least dangerous game kind of really was, I just kept thinking it it was classic next generation the entire time. It Mm. it felt like such a character based episode that, and, and the, the storyline was, was, was dense but really focused on on that and it just it just felt so um like you, it would be like it felt like a Jordy episode or a data episode or something like that mm-hmm. where you'd be able to you know just focus on this on this one character and it's a you know it's it goes a lot of places I mean, they have yeah. the you know it has the whole uh space race and everything but um it to me it it i never i I love the enemy within. I, it didn't come up for me. <laughs> and, and a great dark reveal about Starfleet, which is mm-hmm. uh, very interesting as we learn more. All right, so let's Starf- our... Starfleet also having a recruiting booth uh, <laughs> makes it feel a little more military than maybe like the peacekeeping armada that we sometimes credit it with being. And the idea that Tendi signed up at a recruiting booth is very interesting to me personally. Yeah. I think there's going to be stuff to mine there. 
I do like that quite a bit. All right, let's go to our next caller, Dr. Dawson, who has been hanging on. Uh, and he's got both Rutherfords with him right there. So, do. doctor, how you doing tonight? I'm well, John. Thank you. Good, uh, good. Talk about talking about the uh, any Easter eggs in the booth. I have determined that all of the uh, things in the Collector's Guild booth are cheap Ferengi knockoffs. <laughs> Uh, because there's clearly like there's the 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 big stone tablet that Cisco smashed in a million pieces, and there's like yeah. all of these things that can't possibly be the actual thing because they were destroyed. <laughs> so they're clearly cheap bringing knockoffs, like the uh, uh, Batlists and Vanuks game uh, from the previous episode. They're, they 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 must be. That's awesome. I love that idea. Uh, the Collector's Guild cannot be trusted. And I, I love how specific <laughs> those characters look, uh, exactly like the two from uh, The Most Toys. So, so very mm -hmm. cool. Um, uh, do you have any uh, uh, questions or uh, insights here that you want I, to uh, get from our, our guest? I do not personally have one, but our friend Paul Harvath had one he couldn't be oh. on the zoom but he did ask uh we see uh if mike can move his head a little to the side we see some lego inspired <laughs> thing behind him and paul wants to know if uh mike is using little uh mariner and tendy lego lego figures when you're setting up your directing uh Shelf tour, shelf awesome. tour. I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh, that would be so yeah. great. I mean, I, I've always wanted, you know, I mean, they've got some great, it's not Lego, it's the, the whatever the, whatever the other brand is, but I've got like, a, I do have the, the, uh, the old, uh, you know, NCC 1701 bridge back there. Uh, no bloody A, B, C, or D. Um, <laughs> And 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 the reason that sign is there on the door is because you know this is not only my home office; it's also my my son's playroom. And uh, generally, like it is right now, uh, just off camera, it, it, it is the room is filled with Legos, <laughs> and they're not all his. A lot of the, most of them are mine. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Do you have a current Lego project that's like like mm. something that you're doing? No. Nope. No, okay. They just, you know, they're, they're just all over the place. I, I've been building that uh, Saturn V rocket for longer than I care to admit uh, here publicly, <laughs> because I'll like, I'll like, I'll leave it alone for a while, and then I'll come to my kitchen table, and I'm like, I should really do a little more so I can actually eat off of this table again. Um, <laughs> so it's just been taking me entirely too long to do that. But I love that thing. Oh wait, do you have it? Are you? Yeah. Well, I have the, the uh... yeah. The bridge. I got the bridge set right here. Nice. Now, wait. Did, did they they did a commercially released yes. TOS bridge in Lego? <gasps> Not Lego. Not Lego, but it does fit the. I mean, it, it's it's compatible with Lego. It does Whoa. fit. The great thing is about it. I mean, it's a great looking. It's a great looking set. But the great thing is, it's like the characters. Despite how small they are, and you wouldn't be able to really see it, but the characters are really well, you know, well oh designed. You can't really see Spock right there, but wow, yeah, uh, we with, can though. Yeah, it came with it came with uh, Kirk, Spock, Sulu, and uh, and Uhura, and it's great because oh, um, green shirt Kirk, yeah, Heck yeah. Exactly. And it came with, <laughs> yes, 
and it came with Nomad. Ah, oh, like, no way! <laughs> like, they right, really did their research cool. for you know for you know not being like Lego, but they did great research, and it's great because my um, um, my son always takes uh, Sulu. And he fights all of the other Legos, and we always joke that you know our our Sulu, you know, is way more heroic than you know Sulu in the original series, <laughs> or or aggressive. Maybe it's Mirror Universe Sulu yeah. who made it back. Yeah, yeah, that could be the situation there. I don't want to get us too far off track, but that's so cool, and that made me think about how I saw somebody out there did like a three D printed screen accurate TOS bridge sized for the Mego action figures. Wow. And it looks so cool. Like with lights and everything, it looks so rad. So, uh, you know, somebody out there got one laying around, like we could really use a sample here at the office. <laughs> also call to action. Somebody please make Mike some little mini figs that look like the Cerritos crew. I mean, yes. fine. At least Lil Deckers. I think there he deserves that. There we go. <laughs> exactly. All right. Sorry to get us off track there for a moment, but that was very, very cool. Uh, doctor, any uh, any other thoughts or questions tonight? Well, I, I got these two guys behind me, right? And so my, so I guess my question, Mike, is when Eugene was recording the voices for this, did he record one at a time? Or do you know if he recorded them like himself arguing with himself together? Ooh. I I don't know, but I think I was impressed by by how different it was. Like I was yeah. not expecting he he actually did. Um, I don't know how much of it was um, was improvised, but you know the just the language and the, the like the tone that he used was was so impressively different that it was it was easy to tell which one is which one is which. Um, and that that wasn't necessarily in the in the script. I think it you know the reading the script you kind of you didn't know how how different he was going to be, but um like the phrase like the phrasing of how he would how he says things and it was 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 really cool and it felt like a genuine part of of like Eugene you know finding that that character, which was uh you know something that was unexpected. I think from my point of view and, and, and something we don't even see that much in, in Trek. Sure. And I thought it was cool when, uh, when he's got his uh, crew on the Delta flyer, how they all kind of had a Rutherford style in their responses <laughs> yeah. because he's like, he's like Mariner do this. And she goes, okie dokie. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Perfect. Writing, yeah. Good, good catch. Um, yeah, people here in the chat, uh Carlos says I think Eugene is an underrated actor. He is awesome in everything. Just got uh, upgraded on Loki. He's doing very well for himself. <laughs> oh, sweet, sweet. Uh Michael says voice acting is much harder to do than it looks. He did great. Yes, yes, he absolutely did. Uh that was a very cool kind of treat to hear that in the episode. Um Doctor, since uh, Mike only has just a minute here, we will uh, say goodnight to you, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one, okay? 
All right, be safe out there. Watch out for Romulans and spatial anomalies in the Denver system. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. All right. So, Mike, since I know that we have to lose you here in just a second, I'm just going to very quickly welcome over our newlywed Brandon one more time. Brandon, how's it going? If you've got a question Hi. or a comment for Mike, uh, please share that now so we can let him get back to his real life. You know, I didn't come to class prepared with one of those. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I've just been really enjoying everything that uh, that you've been talking about and that I've been learning from having you on. Um, but I didn't think of anything specific uh, to ask you. And now I feel like that's a huge, um, a huge shortcoming. It, it most certainly is not. You can just fill him with praise and compliments and uh, say what an awesome job he did. I think that'll be sufficient, right? I, I think that, I mean, well, John just said it. So he, uh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I really love this episode. Um, I, I I was impressed with how um, bad Rutherford or Red Rutherford was really great at making me uncomfortable, especially yeah. at first. Um, mm-hmm. it's the, the stark difference between who he was and who he is, um, was just, was just really well done. But I find my, I found myself thinking as he was talking to, um, uh, Ensign Barnes, I think, mm-hmm. um, uh, do you think that now, like with all of the weird things that alter people's personalities in the world of Star Trek, that the default assumption might change from you're being a real jerk right now to, wow, something's weird with you. What's going on with you? Like, <laughs> are you an alien imposter? <laughs> right. Are you possessed? Is By it a past bug. personality? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Is it some sort of conspiracy? Um but I love some of those touches. I mean, Dr. Dawson just touched on one that I really, really liked was um, uh, how Rutherford imagined the rest of the uh, the team. Um, I didn't notice Mariner saying okie dokie, but I noticed Tendy saying it. And I noticed Mariner just being like, yeah, be like very agreeable. And mm-hmm. uh, like I couldn't imagine. And it makes me sort of think about like, how well does Rutherford actually know Mariner compared <laughs> to the other two who have right. spent time with her? Right. Um, but Rutherford's like, yeah, okay, this is just sort of how I imagine Mariner. Whereas I think even if this were Boimler or Tendi, they'd probably even struggle to imagine her being like that chill about it um, and not combative. Um, but that, yeah. Um, that is an excellent point. I love that. And Mike, unfortunately, I know that we have to let you go. And in fact, we're somebody in the chat, Carlos, saying, release Mike back into the wild. Yes. So, <laughs> so we, we need to do that. You have your family to take care of. You have Legos to pick up off the floor. Star Trek so. to make? Yeah. Star Trek to say. make. <laughs> yeah. What, what, is, uh, what is next for you with uh, Lower Decks? Um, episode eight. That, that's the last one. Ooh, right on. Ooh. Okay. And it and then, is a complete mind bender. Uh, right on. And, uh, and You will and not we, see the end coming at all. Oh, okay. I can't wait. I can't wait. I will say nothing else. And uh, Ashley will say nothing else. <laughs> I won't. I want your head. Excellent. All right. Mike, thank you so much. What a pleasure to see you. And uh, I look forward to chatting again. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care. Bye. Take care. All right, Brandon. Uh, so now you can say what you really feel. <laughs> okay. Now he's gone. You guys. See, no. Uh, I, I, uh, I really did um, think. So I, I, I did a little bit of um, sort of rewatching the episode just right before 
the the show tonight so that I could uh, have stuff fresh in my mind. And I really, one thing that we saw from Boimler that I'm surprised that I can't think of another instance of somebody actually doing, um, besides chasing uh, someone who looked an awful lot like Morn around. Um, yes, uh, Morn representation. Yes, <laughs> I don't even know what the if what his species is called. Maybe it is also Morn. Um, I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> yeah, I think Morn is a Morn. Um, but he said something I was waiting. I've been waiting for like a lot of series for somebody to say, um, which was to explicitly just call out like how Starfleet does everything that they do for a galaxy of quite frankly, ingrates. Yeah. <laughs> um, because people snark at and resent Starfleet, but like, Starfleet rolls up and with no responsibility really to to like obligation to do this. Oh, a moon is going to crash into your planet. We've got that. No problem. <laughs> the the Borg are coming. We're on it. Um, yeah. Oh, hey, problem with the Cardassians. Seen it before. You know, mm-hmm. we're here to help out. Um, and, Unle- and th- wait, wait, uh, unless you're Sarjanko's planet. And then unless. and then Picard's just like, nope, we got to get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> no. I can or, well, see that. or you're a Klingon, right? And Kirk is like, you know what? What if hard pass the? <laughs> <laughs> but in most cases, <laughs> it's not a perfect yeah. record, right. Um, right? Yeah, but it's 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 really interesting to me that they get met with so much um, sometimes hostility, sometimes uh, condescension. But I feel like if we shrank that down to like, if in your community, there was just this really nice person, you're like, all right, I don't really know this person. I don't know that I like have anything to do with them, but if they came over and said, hi, you know, you probably wouldn't throw sand in their face just for coming over and being friendly is, is, is sort of something that I thought. And so having Boimler just finally be like, all right, all of you, the lot of you, here's what I think of you and why you should be grateful to Starfleet. Uh, I thought was just great. I love that moment so much, and I especially love that it kept going. I, like, so, <laughs> yeah. like sometimes a joke will overplay itself, but but the nuggets of truth in that were so good. When you come back to him, and he says, "You know, the doctor did not spend seven years in the Delta Quadrant for you to question if he has rights." Like that, that was yeah. so <laughs> the question if he has agency. Yeah, so good, so well written. Yes. Um, yeah, I. I loved every minute of that and it was uh, like in the metal way it's i i like it when a show like lower decks that mostly plays just very very in your face like here is the joke here is the reference that we're making but when you do something like that it is star trek commenting on itself it's star trek sticking up for its own values in a way that's fun and entertaining a little aggressive but it's it it felt real and and it felt earned. So I love stuff like that. And this is Bold Boimler. Uh, yeah, I love Bold Boimler. <laughs> I loved him just like having a fit and trashing everything. Like it's so funny, but it's still character development from the first season when we yes. first met him. Yes, just a weenie. <laughs> yes. yes, first and second season Boimler would not have. He would have just taken it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hey, uh, Brandon, we're running a little bit past our uh, mid-show point, but uh, any any final thoughts here before we uh, break real quick? 
just one thing that I noticed in the just in my last watch th- watch through that I really liked was um, I got another good glimpse of the shuttlecraft Sequoia. I noticed that all of the shuttlecrafts are trees, or, yes. um, and uh, I love that that particular one looks like a shuttlecraft kit bash with an old motorhome and a dumpster, <laughs> um, and it's just it's spectacular. I just love it. I love all the handwritten stuff on it too. Yeah, like the, the figures. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, Brandon, thank you so much. Take thank care. You. Good to see you again, and we'll see you again. I hope. All right. Take care, you guys. Cheers. Bye. Take care. Hey, Ashley, we're running a little bit past when we would normally take our breaks, so I'm just going to very Ooh. quickly say Patreon's awesome. You mm-hmm. know it. I know mm-hmm. it. Everybody mm-hmm. else here knows it. Mm-hmm. How good are the conversations there? Uh, they're the best. And I know that we come here to chat sci-fi every week, but there's a lot of great fantasy talk going on right yes, now that I highly recommend exactly. anyone interested in that side of the coin, go check out. Yeah, there's everything. There's so much good stuff happening in our Discord. It's awesome. And you get to be in Discord if you're a member of our Patreon, patreon.com slash mission log. It is cheap to get in although you know if you want to up your uh, up your contribution that's cool too you get swag you get early access to shows and most importantly you get the discord community which is unlike any other community out there and uh, just a really cool way to be able to interact with uh, with us and your fellow fans and talk oh, about all kinds of things patreon.com slash mission log that gets you into our discord that's all i have to say about that because we have more callers standing by we have Woo! so many. Yes. Let's hop right over to Alan. Always coming to us from the lower decks. How are you doing tonight? Hey, fresh off the plug. It was from the lower decks. Yes, we're back. <laughs> yeah. How's it going? Here, guys. That, that's it's such a good transition. Thank you for just picking that up. Yes. yes. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Just yeah. yeah, it's the best dollar you'll ever you'll ever spend this month. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you could get like you could get a tall instead yeah. of a venti, and then that th- <laughs> there's your Patreon right there. Yeah. There you're covered. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. What's on your mind tonight? Well, you know, again, we we have uh, Star Trek once again goes back to that ancient uh, uh, engineering proverb uh, in which there are inside of us two Rutherfords. <laughs> and uh, the one that survives is the one with speed. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Okay, all right. Now, now wait a minute. So uh, clearly, we can make light of this. Oh, yeah. but there was something about this episode that made me think. Like, that there's this real existential problem slash question at the core of what's happening here with Rutherford. Who is the real Rutherford? And does this Rutherford have the right to survive more than the other Rutherford? We're wiping out, let's say, 18 to 20 years worth of memories and personality to be overwritten with one that is maybe at most 10 years old that is a construct like I, uh, well, is that, is that, that? Is that yeah. not the the morals meanings messages right like that we both have to embrace all of who we are and let go of who we are in order to continue to bloom and grow yeah that's a tricky part though because how yeah. much how much of young rutherford does rutherford actually get to embrace he, I mean, he liked pears for that week we always remember pears for a week always 
Oh, John, we'll always remember pears. <laughs> yes, yes. God bless Just you, pears. sir. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think it, it, it is an interesting ethical, you know, dilemma there because, yeah, he was this guy for all of those years. Um, and I, I hope that we find going forward that he does remember meeting that version of himself. And although he wasn't, he, he, maybe he had his flaws, but he, he definitely had, you know, his own life that he was living. Um, um, but you know, we, at the same time, you know, we, we do like our Rutherford. Our Rutherford is a good, a good guy, very helpful. Uh, and, uh, you know, a, a d- definitely a great friend for the, for the rest of our group. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's an interesting thing. And, uh, honestly he won rainbow road. So yeah, he gets to live. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I, I, he, pro- he proved his metal. That's all it comes down Absolutely, to. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you know. survive getting shot at, uh, <laughs> and and then you get to live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was. I, I mean, there are so many. That whole idea in the core of this episode, I thought, was so interesting. And even then, they sort of drop this bomb on you with like, oh, yeah, there, there's something dirty happening, at least with this one guy at Starfleet uh, who did this thing to this kid. They're red squatting us, John. They're yes! red squatting us again. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Never. No. Section Sorry. 31, rule 359, no. was an inside job. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can, I, can I just say, by the way, speaking of that, with the uh, with the conspiracy guys, part of Boimler's rant, that you don't want the truth, you're gossipy weirdos. That is so, <laughs> yes. yes, bravo, absolutely. more of that, Boimler. Wonderful. God, yeah, and, and I agree. I agree with you guys. That was just an absolutely epic rant. And kudos, <laughs> kudos for Boimler for standing up for for Starfleet in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a perfect way to to do sort of what has become sort of the tropish uh, lower decks style jokes in a, in a fresh, interesting way. But I also love too, that this episode is sort of building on the legacy of lower decks. We get Mm. those crystal love and aliens back and they were so interested to hear about dilithium. Yes. That was, that was brilliant and beautiful. Starbase 80, whatever the hell that is. (laughs) I mean, who knows at this yeah. point? I, it, Lower Decks has really been good at building its own universe, building its yeah. own story, while also just, you know, piecemeal bringing in all these other disparate parts of the Star Trek universe. It's great it, in yeah, that it way. Did, yeah. It did feel like a very, a very dense, plot-heavy episode, and of course, written by the boss. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sure that... I'm sure, you know, I don't want to, you know, be meta in my analysis of it, but it seems like, you know, if you get to pick the episodes that you write, that there's going to be some significance. So I wonder how much of this is going to come back and pay off later. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, the Rutherford thing has been a runner since at least, what, the first season finale? Yeah, is that the first time that he that it started glitching? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, you know now we've got this uh, 
thing with Petra, the the archaeologist. I wonder if she's a character that we might see again at some point because she saved her contact. Although, mm-hmm. you know, John, How I was saying, you do that to Jennifer? <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, John, I mentioned to you, I, I, I messaged you earlier on uh-huh. the Discord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, uh, that uh, you know, a theme this week uh, for regular mission log might be just how bad a girlfriend uh, Seska is. <laughs> uh, she, Petra seems like she could be in that category too. She's uh, uh-huh. she's a fancy hat away from being a, a cliche from about ten years ago. Yeah, but um, a lot yep. of nagging going on. Uh, yeah, in the archaeology booth, but yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how this how how the story points in this episode sort of build off and go from here. So Indeed. I don't want to take up a, a too much of everyone's time because I know we've got at yeah, least a couple a, more people on the in the on more. the uh, on deck mm-hmm. circle. So yep, hope I Wonderful. have. Uh, shared my piece and we'll see you next time you have all right and i uh, hope you enjoyed your time in the earl green hey. room tonight pleasure to see you Absolutely. and uh until next time all Bye. right <laughs> see ya all right well let's welcome our next caller uh and that is sheree who is hey. right there on the bridge of the Cerritos. welcome yay thanks. how's it going Good. Thanks for asking Mike my question. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm. I'm still a little confused about the timeline myself. I mean, I there might be story details, or really for anybody who, let's say, they go through the academy, but they do something else before they end up actually on a starship. I mean, there could be all kinds of biographical differences for everybody, but uh, more to be revealed. So, yeah. So- in the intervening time, I actually developed a theory. Oh, lay it <laughs> on us. Yes. <laughs> lay it on us. So I was thinking maybe Rutherford has been on other ships, but they kept getting close to figuring out what his secret was. And so the shadowy figure had to erase his memories again. Um, and uh, and then oh. send him to California class because everybody looks down on California class and he's like, no one will figure it out here. They're all too stupid. Um, wow. And wow. that's why they think he's only had it for two weeks because he had to erase his memories. And so he thinks that he has only had the implant for two weeks, but actually he's had it for longer. That could be it. That, oh man, I, you know what? I would almost put money on that. <laughs> you know, I could see something like that coming up. All right. I just want to see a montage now of other ships being like, hey, wait. And then like, maybe you're like, yeah, you're yeah. having to erase his memory. He's erased and then he comes back. Yes, yes. <laughs> Keep having to come up with more and more complex ways to just hide that history. I love that idea. Hey, uh, let me ask both of you. Uh, there was the, the moment where Tendi makes a point of pointing out the uh, the plant from Omicron SETI 3, and it's sitting there under that glass dome blasting its mind control spores to, you know, nothing, to no one. Uh, <laughs> was that a little bit of a Chekhov's gun thing? Like, I kept wanting, I kept waiting for that to come <laughs> for into For this side of paradise kind yeah, of moment. <laughs> yeah, like if it's not this episode, then at least some episode, I feel like that, to just point that out. Like, surely it has to come back. It has to do something. <laughs> or just me? I'm just still having uh, 
you know, flashbacks to covering the side of paradise on Mission Mars. Or maybe, maybe it is related. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, I guess we'll see. Uh, Sheree, anything else that uh, stood out to you for the episode? Um, I did love that they called um, uh, young um, Rutherford ships uh, Sambaguita because it's the national flower of the Philippines. Yes. And I love that nod to Eugene Cadero's um, heritage. I thought it was yes. really cool that they threw that in. That was awesome. Very cool. Um, and and kind of a, a fun little design for a ship. I thought that was that was neat. You know, <laughs> it was just an engine with the with yeah, an engine with a seat. On. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is honestly like a lot of you know really early NASA spaceships. So sure. exactly. <laughs> maybe we just like the retro design. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I do appreciate the payoff of you know the Tom Paris fandom coming back with the Delta Flyer. Like, I will be devastated if we don't continue this joke, but also like Harry Kim, I think deserves a little bit of love in the equation. Does he though? <laughs> Yes! <laughs> Cetacean Ops outranks him right now! Uh, <laughs> he's on lower decks at some point since he's been instant for the longest. They yeah. need to have Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts tonight, Cherie, before we uh, hop to our last caller? That's it for now. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much, as always, for uh, calling us, and I uh, hope we see you again soon, okay? Awesome. Thanks. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye. All right. Wrapping it up tonight, friend of the show and podcaster himself, it's John Arminio. John, welcome. How's it going tonight? It's going great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, it's been a minute. Always yeah. glad to have you join us and uh, and share your thoughts on some current Trek. So uh, how about tonight's episode? Yeah. Um, well, first, I just would like to recommend the Lower Decks comic book, uh, by Ryan North and Chris Finaglio. Um, it's if you thought Star Trek Lower Decks, the show was packed with obscure references. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! Oh, that's uh, yeah. Oh, okay, so refer- wait, oh, oh uh, who's doing that? By the way, IDW. Uh, IDW. Or? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. I was not. And does it take place like in between seasons or what? What's the um, I. I I I think it's just you know sometime it, its own thing current with with uh, lower decks. Gotcha. I, I haven't memorized the star date. No, no, <laughs> relations. no. Sorry, I don't want you. I just I was curious if they were tying it into any of the stories. No, it's a totally totally its own okay. thing. Yeah, and that... Ryan North is one of my favorite writers, and I've actually emailed him before, like when he first started writing comics. There were very subtle next generation references, and I was like, "Is this a reference to the time when Q like poked it upon scum?" It's like, "Yes, <laughs> that is what I was." Wow! Wow! Okay. So, a- a- anyway, um, that's super cool. Yeah. Uh, so i I found this episode actually pretty profound. Like, it's silly and crazy and intense, but the idea of being horrified by your past self. And, you know, Rutherford eventually, like, comes to terms with that. But especially the moment when young Rutherford is says, oh, who's Tendi? And older Rutherford says, no, 
whatever you're thinking, <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. And so yeah. the idea that he's so separate from who he used to be that his that the idea of his past self meeting his best friend now horrifies him. I think that is such like a that's fuel for like a, a horror movie. Like well, the sort of like split consciousness. And it's interesting because, you know, they're equally smart, they're mm -hmm. equally adept, and they have an equal motivation for their hatred of the other one. You know, the Rutherford that we know has this hatred of, of this jerk, the, this, you know, uh, uh, unpolished, cocky, snotty kid. He's like, I, I don't want that to be me. I, I, I don't want to think of myself in those terms. And then that young Rutherford looks at this guy who says okie dokie entirely too many times and goes, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to grow into that guy. I want to be myself that I know. Uh, so it's this perfect kind of clash of the wills. And you can absolutely understand where they're both coming from, even though obviously we we, we are meant to side with uh, with the Rutherford that we know, the one that has all the the good intentions and uh, and has managed yeah. to make positive friendships and mm -hmm. positive life choices, you know. Um, but then the other thing is, okay, you look at this and you go, well, that young Rutherford who was breaking rules and you know skirting authority and all this stuff. How much did he know about what he was doing for this clandestine yeah. Starfleet thing? And would he have turned into someone who corrected those wrongs? Or would he just keep being it? Does he turn into like the lower decks version of Sloan at some point? Just like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hate, hate to go there, but, but you know, that like there's a whole potential future for that version of Rutherford that gets snuffed out. Yeah. There, there's such a dramatic and traumatic break in his life. You know, like most of us get, look back on things we did. 10, 15, 20 years ago and we're like embarrassed by them. We're like, you know, like we have, everybody has regrets, but Rutherford doesn't have that. He, he can't even reflect on who he was as a young person because th those mistakes he made as a young person has, don't have anything to do with who he is now. Uh, so his relationship to his past self is totally different from Hours. So we don't know if the young Rutherford would have evolved into Kern Rutherford in any way, shape, or form. Like there's this real, like forced upon him disconnect. Uh, yeah. And that's like a real sort of, you know, like violation of his personhood. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Well, well yeah. how do you, how do you carry on as adult Rutherford with this knowledge? that everything that you identify as yours, as yourself, comes from a certain point because of a specific act that was imposed upon you. Yeah. Like, and I, e yeah. And, and <laughs> that's even, an existential problem. And even ideas or, you know, tastes that he has in current form could be leakage from Young Rutherford because if he liked peaches... Yeah. Mm. No, maybe he gets a crush on somebody because of 
his younger self influencing his behavior and he's unconsciously attracted to somebody that he wouldn't be attracted to or he makes an engineering engineering mistake or discovery because of his past self leaking into his conscious mind or because of the cybernetic implant like short-circuiting so there's all these you know foreign influences uh playing with her baby bear but but okay but I, where do you both land on this thing that i i think the episode is trying to sum up for us by having this line where let me let me bring it up my notes so yeah literally just sometimes it's better to grow that that's like this shorthand yeah. way of saying like Oh, okay, well, we can't feel too bad about losing this other young, cocky, obnoxious Rutherford because this one's better and he's got to grow. And that that is the representation of the growth, supposedly, that this other Rutherford would have had. I mean, it, is that satisfying for both of you as the moral meaning message here? I mean, how different is it than Seven of Nine? Mm. in Voyager where, you know, we she was presented to us as this character who we fell in love with and we saw growth and attributes that we liked. And yes, we saw some moments from her time as Annika and that kind of slowly got reintegrated into her personality. Um, mm. So that is what I'm anticipating for the Rutherford storyline. I don't think this is the last that we'll see of a flashback. And I think we will see some of the edgier, cooler, for the kids <laughs> part of his personality reemerging. But, I mean, as you say, it's hard to reconcile. Like, if, if I learned this about myself, or if you learned that you've had an amnesiac, I don't know, instance in your life, I'm sure that that's a struggle. But I think I, I like it and I'm willing to go with it because it's given Rutherford some of the most emotional depth that we've had in his entire series. And it's harder to grapple with than like, boy, I don't get along with my mom. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, younger Rutherford was not given the opportunity to grow that that was taken away from him. And so I, I hope we sort of get a bit of a reckoning with that. But at the same time, I think with the B plot, we saw Boimler grow a little bit, you know, with the realization that when he sort of lets himself go, um, <laughs> he can actually accomplish something. He doesn't need to to stay. He doesn't need to toe the line and be sort of dorky, meek Boimler. He can, you know, he can get a little bit of edge in, in him, too. So I, I like that balancing act that, that the show had. Indeed. All right. Well, guys, we're up against the clock. Uh, great way Ooh. to end the show. Uh, John, thank you, as always, for the uh, for the insights and the thoughts. I appreciate My it. Pleasure. I hope thank we you. see you again soon. By the way, I'm going to leave everybody with this because Alan in the chat says, is Badgie an element of Otherford, meaning, you know, Red Rutherford, oh trying God. to leak out and take revenge on current Rutherford. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought I'd, we drop that into the end of the show. So there you go. Uh, Ashley, thank you so much. Pleasure to see you. And I guess we're doing this again next week. All right. I can't wait. Thank you so much for having me back. And I'll see you soon. Yes, you will. Mission Log <laughs> Live is produced by Ronberry Entertainment, technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by the indefatigable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you, Ashley, for co-hosting with me this week. Thanks to everyone who joined us live or later. We look forward to discussing Lower Deck Season 3, Episode 6 with all of you next week. 
This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.